This is Health Naturally and Dennis Stewart. Um, sugar is the topic. and mm. But you think not so much of sugar as being a bad thing mm. as being something of look, an imbalance. Look, it is an imbalance. Let's, let's face it. Sugar is, is a natural uh, ingredient. It occurs in fruits. It occurs in vegetables. It's not sugar that's the problem, in my uh, opinion, Jane. It's the way in which sugar has become so ubiquitous that it's now basically disproportionate in our diet and as a result of that this imbalance as I would call it we're now starting to see diseases conditions which hitherto we have not seen because in my opinion sugar particularly in in my day and age when I was growing up was not uh, embedded into the food chain as it seemingly is today and I think it's a little bit unfair to criticise sugar as if it was the ogre. For goodness sake, what I mean, we need sugar, we use sugar. You can't bake a cake without using sugar. It's not that's that's the problem. It's the commercialisation of the food chain and the way in which sugar has become so ubiquitous in that that now we're seeing a situation, in my opinion, unparalleled in our country. And this is now causing great concern to the extent that politicians, for goodness sake, politicians, are now even thinking of encouraging labels to be placed on food and drinks. Now, that might sound okay, but it needs to go a lot further than that. It needs to be got over to people that we need to put things into balance. We need to get back to some basics in diet and realise that a lot of the things that are offered to us particularly convenience foods, convenience drinks, in a culture that is based on convenience food and drinks, we need to appreciate that that needs to be addressed seriously. That, in my opinion, is where most of the problem is coming from. It's not coming from mum's cooking. It's not coming from the traditional ways that we've used sugar in the past, sugar in a cup of coffee, for instance, things like that. It's the way in which this overwhelming problem has accelerated since we've become more affluent and since the commercial industry, if you like, has trapped everyone into believing that sweet taste is the way to go and that any food that's out there now uh, is probably... Now, I need to be cautious. I'll say this in my opinion. Not every food, but many foods that are out there now have sugar in them, even in a disguised form. That's well, a major worry. There wouldn't be many processed foods that don't have sugar in them Correct. involving sources Correct. or whatever, Correct. for example. Uh, and I'm concerned about this because I live in a part of the world where I see a, a disproportionately large percentage of people that are obese. I see eating habits. Uh, when one goes shopping, one sees what people are purchasing. One sees what kids are eating and what parents are eating. And one sees that certainly there has been a major change in, in Australian eating style, eating habits, and even the foods that we eat. So that the tucker that I was raised on, home food with the occasional hamburger on a Friday night, um, that era has passed. We didn't see the sorts of diseases then, in my opinion, that we see today. That wasn't because there wasn't any sugar. It was because sugar was used proportionately in a dietary situation that was more, if you like, home-based, more simple foods and less commercialisation of it. So 
I, I know we need commerce, Jane. I'm not attacking commerce, but there really does need to be a consumer awareness that what we're purchasing, what we're purchasing now is likely to be laced, if you like, with sugar, reading the labels, being aware of this. This is where perhaps government should be emphasising uh, their concern, not by making things seem bad and putting labels on things, but educating people, teaching the kids at school even, the problems associated with sugar addiction. And it is an addiction. And uh, in my view, when that is addressed in that way, sugar will be seen as a necessary part of life, but a, a substance that's in imbalance with the rest of other substances in our diet. It's a situation of balance. And, of course, we could also say with reference to this that if you're looking at the problems that we now confront in our society with, if you like, modern diseases, obesity, type 2 diabetes, these sorts of things, we also have to factor in, if you like, the sugar addiction with the change in lifestyle that sees sugar, if you like, taken in an inflated amount in the diet, wedded to a sedentary lifestyle, where there is no encouragement even to burn that, if you like, carb out of the system, because we now have a sedentary culture where kids particularly are more interested in sitting at home, playing games, looking at their phones, rather than doing the things that in the past used to allow us to burn off the sugar intake by vigorous exercise. It needs to be looked at from a societal perspective. Don't just blame sugar. Look at the culture in which sugar has been generated and look at other aspects of it, uh, particularly the sedentary component. We have Karen, who's rung in from Rutherford with ear problems. Hello, Karen. Hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm well indeed. Um, I'm ringing up. I've been diagnosed, I think it's Marines, disease and external otitis. Okay, okay. And yesterday, all day in bed with vertigo yeah. that I just so could talking, not even you're talking get up. About, you're talking about many years. Yes, yeah, okay. that's it. Okay. What, I've got drops, I've got, oh, they gave me some exercises to yes. do, but when you feel so sick, you just cannot do them. Okay. Is there anything else I can do to sort of hurry up and get it gone? First, the first question is, how long have you been battling with it, Karen? Years. Okay. First time I had it, my normal GP didn't even check my ears. He said, oh, you're just having an anxiety attack. And I thought, this is going on too long. I do suffer with anxiety, but yes. I know what they feel like. Yes, yes. So I went to a different GP, yes. and as soon as he looked in my ears, he said, oh, no. He said, that's really bad. You need these drops. Yes. So the drops are always in my ear. They, they get itchy. Yes. I call it like honey, the yes. drops, because yes. it's yes. just so thick. Yes. And then you can't hear, and then when you're talking because your ears are blocked, yes. it sort of rings through, and then yes. it makes you feel sick again. Yes. yes. Look, in, in the old days, and I still use the term, we'd refer to this as eustachian tube catarrh. And what that basically meant was a build-up of fluid in the eustachian tube, which yes. can lead to uh, symptoms of, of vertigo, and, and fuzziness and uh, dampening of hearing, etc. 
Now, I know it's an old term, it's not used popularly today, but I'm an old person using an old system of medicine. So if you were to present to, to a herbalist with those symptoms, whilst the diagnosis that I've mentioned would probably be accepted, uh, the treatment would differ from the mainstream in as much that our approach would be to work with herbs that uh, help resolve uh, the build-up of fluid. And those herbs traditionally uh, would be as follows. And these herbs can be obtained fairly readily from a a herbalist or a compounding pharmacist. But the major herb that we would use is a herb called golden seal. Now, golden seal is an American herb, a North American herb, probably one of the leading uh, herbs in the American Materia Medica, it has a, a classic association with catarrhal or mucousy conditions, particularly of the respiratory system and in particular the upper respiratory tract. So in the past I would have used, well even today, I would use a formula based on golden seal uh, and the accompanying herb that nearly always runs with it and that is the herb Echinacea. Those two herbs are very effective uh, for the upper respiratory tract and particularly the eustachian tube. But interestingly, uh, Simon Mills, a very well-known English herbalist, one of the most prominent herbalists in the English-speaking world, uh, puts forward the herb eyebright, uh, euphrasia we call it, that's its botanical name, and he refers to it as being specific for all watery or catarrhal conditions of the ear, nose and throat. And for years I've appended uh, eyebright in my formulations with golden seal and echinacea with some degree of benefit. So okay. if, if, if I were in your situation, uh, yeah. I'm not in any way at all contradicting what your good doctor is doing or suggesting... It's not working. <laughs> okay. Well, you've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. I, I would have that formula made up. As far as the vertigo is concerned, there is a, a, a herb called wood betony. And I, I mention it reasonably frequently on the program, but in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, it is called up as a general remedy to cover vertigo. And a herbalist, uh, knowing his stuff, would inevitably prescribe wood betony for what's called many years condition. So I've given you a bit of a lecture there in herbal medicine, mm. but fortunately, fortunately, those herbs could be compounded into a mixture and a dose could be established for it. And I'd be prepared to say that, uh, uh, give it a go, and I'd be surprised if you wouldn't get some benefit. Okay. And if I contact you at your rooms, you could do that? Look, any compounding pharmacist or herbalist uh, could do it. Oh, Um, okay. So um, if you can't, of course, well, then the option's always available. All right, then. No worries. Thank you, Dennis. All the very best with that, Karen. We're taking your calls. To a new RFM's Health Naturally. Michael's joining the conversation from Adamstown. And your question, Michael, is about types of sugar. That's right. Yes. Uh, Hi, Dennis. Hello, Michael. Uh, Dennis, just I've been sort of aware of a lot of um, information in the media Mm -hmm. about concerns about sugar um, and the problems it's causing um, with our health. And I am just curious, growing up in the 50s and 60s, everybody had a sugar basin on the table. Yes. We put sugar, there didn't seem to be any limit to how much you used. We put sugar on our uh, cereal. Yes. We had sugar sugar in tea and coffee and so forth. Yes. It was added to um, 
even, I remember my mum sort of, I don't know whether you'd call it marinating, but she used to put sugar on um, fresh fruit that we had yep. for dessert. Yep. And there didn't seem to be, as I mentioned, any limit to the amount that mm-hmm. you had, but there didn't seem to be the, um, the health problems associated with it during that uh, time frame. Just wondering, is there a difference between just the ordinary processed sugar and the sugars that are actually used in commercial production? Look, in my opinion, sugar is sugar. Yes. It's an opinion. Um, so I would say there's uh, no difference um, yes. as far as the end result is concerned. I would uh, like to address some of your comments there, Michael, because yes. to a large extent I relate to that lifestyle. <laughs> I was <laughs> raised in, in, the, in the 50s, particularly in the 60s, yes. and, and I know what you're talking about. Sugar was used in exactly that way. And I might surprise listeners when I say that um, I haven't got too many problems with that because at that stage it was not supported by a food chain outside of the home that embraced convenience foods, the majority of which, in my opinion, contained added sugar. In other words, in our lifestyle, in our our lifetime, our society has changed. The domestic use of sugar in a society where mum cooked the food, mum measured it out, and where, by the way, we were so active, we were so active, we burnt it off like you wouldn't believe in that sort of lifestyle and in that sort of culture, I don't think that was uh, a real problem. The problem has been a societal change. Convenience foods have overwhelmed mum's kitchen. Uh, You and I would know what that means. Uh, Convenience foods now, uh, particularly where I come from, dominate the scene, I would say, in as much that any food, fast food chain, is is incredibly supported. And look, I will use fast food very, very, very occasionally. But I'm talking about now a culture where families, to a large extent, are dependent upon fast foods, convenience foods, prepared foods, and foods that line the supermarket, which, which, by the way, didn't exist in our day, with attractive foods that encourage us to ingest more of these foods these days that are laced with sugar very frequently in subtle ways. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, sugar is sugar, but and sugar itself, in my opinion, is not the problem. The problem is the change in society and a society that now is sedentary and encourages people to depend more and more and more on prepared foods uh, and, and foods that are not prepared in the home and in my opinion, many, if not most of those foods are laced with something to make it f- uh, taste sweet in order to attract particularly the kids eating it. So do you don't think it's also the effect of, say, emulsifiers and those sorts of things? Oh, look, all, all of those things would, would come into it. But to reduce it down to basics, I'm so, sure you would agree with me. Things have changed and not for the better. And oh, I, can, I know that. And I, and I come, <laughs> come back to the point that I can remember my mum, she used to feed us 
and then virtually boot us out of the house because we'd be told to go and play. And, and I can remember when growing up in Adamstown that uh, a whole group of us in the street would virtually have to be called home uh, to get dinner at night, although in those days we called it tea, because we were so far away from the home, active, running around, doing things that compensated, if you like, for mum's traditional and healthy use of the sugar. So, Dennis, you think it's more the fact that the children are growing up like that and then becoming adults? Yeah, yeah. Look, for, Carrying for, the problems with them? For, uh, look, I, I think so, and I think we'll see the day, uh, if it's not already happening, when, when uh, kitchens uh, and even dining rooms become perhaps a thing of the past because prepared food, purchased food... Uh, doesn't require you to sit down as a family. It allows you to sit down in the lounge room watching the, uh, the, the television and munching away to your heart's content and then sleeping it off. Uh, that's not a good culture, and that's the problem in my view. The change in our society, our lifestyle, our culture, and that is pathogenic, and that needs to be addressed, not just isolating sugar. Sugar is a natural part of life. If you sensibly, it's okay. I argue that it's not being used sensibly. Yeah, it was a great question, Michael. Um, now Barbara has rung in from Balcolin, 49216216, and you've got a comment on Menu's, Menu's disease, Barbara. Yes. Hello, yes. Barbara. Um, hello. My sister um, has had Menu's disease yes. for quite a long time. Yes, yes. And she's found the best results that she finds is using Phenergan tablets. Yeah, the antihistamine. Yes, yeah. yes, look, look, as it dries up that fluid. That's correct. And look, uh, I'm certainly not opposed to that. Um, a, a sensible use of an antihistamine is, is, in my opinion, quite an acceptable way to go to address uh, something like this. Unfortunately, it may not address all situations, but yes. it's an over-the-counter preparation. Our good pharmacists can provide it to us and give us information on how to use it successfully. I think yep. that's good comment if you've... Uh, wanting to try some Fenergan, talk to the pharmacist. Yeah, I just find that it really helps my sister. And yeah, that lovely? And, yep. Yeah, so uh, I thought that lady could do with some help. Well, I, look, and, and that's very nice of you to ring in because uh, a condition like this can be very, very distressing. And uh, if it's not responding to prescribed medication, any little bit of help from anywhere is worthwhile trying so long as it's safe. Thank you so much for that, Barbara. Uh, we're moving to Bonnells Bay now and Sylvia. And uh, Now, Sylvia, you'd just like to refresh your memory on the herbs for vertigo. That yes, Dennis I mentioned. came in right at the end of the, what they were talking about okay. and I've been uh, treated for many years, for about yes. 40 years, and the last... Uh, ENT that I saw said, no, it's not many, it's disease, it's BPPV, which also is debilitating, and I've got no cure either way. Well, well, Sylvia, I mentioned the herb, the English herb, uh, known as wood betony, wood, W-O-O-D, betony, B-E-T-O-N-Y, made famous by older English herbalists, an English herbalist known as William Smith from the north of England wrote a, a lovely book book entitled Wonders in Weeds. <laughs> doesn't sound very attractive, but remarkable work. Um, and that's where most of my knowledge on wood betony initially came from as a herb for vertigo, albeit that information was reiterated 
in the 1983 edition of the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia. So oh. if, if you've not tried it... I um, haven't. It, it would be worthwhile getting hold of it. It's not an expensive herb. It's exceedingly safe. Exceedingly safe. And I get safe. that from any health well, food shop. Well, try your local health food store. Um, yes. They should have a, a preparation of wood betony. If you can't, hunt round for a herbalist or a compounding pharmacist. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you, Sylvia. Thanks for your call, Sylvia. Now we're returning to sugar and the topic of sugar. And Chris has rung in from Lambton. Hello, Chris. Hello, Chris. Hello. Hello, Chris. Hello, Dennis. How are you, Chris? Good, Dennis. Um, I um, was 112 kilos. Yes. And my doctor said, said, I mean, you've got to lose weight. Yes. So what I did, I stopped having sugar. I used to have three spoons of sugar in my tea and 12 cups of tea I used to have. Yes. And um, I cut back really, I cut back a lot. Good. Now I'm uh, 87 kilos. Well done. And that emphasizes what I was trying to say, that what might be considered to be an abnormal or unusual use of sugar is is a problem and if you were using sugar in that uh, amount you were certainly piling sugar into your system and probably chris you were not also or you may not have had the opportunity of, of burning it off so my my comments on sugar today uh, need to be put in perspective what i've been trying yeah. to say is look uh, a sensible use of sugar has always been part of our diet an abusive use of sugar whether it be in the food chain or in our abnormal indulging use of sugar, can be a major problem. I read a, a, a textbook recently entitled Sweet Poison by a well-known, uh, um, I think he's a Sydney um, man, David Gillespie, and that gentleman would reiterate uh, what you have said there, that uh, the reduction of, of sugar, even in his situation, led to a dramatic loss of weight and an improvement in his health profile. So what you have basically emphasised there is where sugar is abused, there are health consequences. And it doesn't matter whether it comes as a result of using vast amounts of sugar abnormally to sweeten our tea or coffee, or whether it comes from a conscious or unconscious taking in of sugar from the commercialised food chain. The, the point is sugar can become a problem if it's abused and used abnormally. And thanks for your comment. We're staying with sugar at the moment. Robert's rung in from Raymond Terrace. And your comment on sugar, Robert? Uh, Yes. Uh, Partly, it's not just sugar itself. Sugar is only one form of a carbohydrate. Mm. I agree. Which uh, Dennis would say and agree here. The only way carbohydrate gets into our bloodstream is breaking down to glucose, Mm. which is the simplest form. Mm. Now, if you overeat starch, sugar, whatever, you end up getting too much glucose into your blood. Correct. Correct. And like I was told I was overweight, I was up around nearly just under 100 mm. kilos. I was told I had to get back to 70. I looked at what I ate. Instead of eating one, two slices of toast for breakfast, I cut it back to one. Mm which reduced my carbohydrate intake. Correct. I would have lunch, I'd have the filling of a sandwich and no slices of bread. Yes. You know, it's not, sugar's not, as you said, sugar, it's 
per se, which is sucrose, yes. which is only a double glucose. What you've said, Robert, I totally agree with. In fact, uh, it's interesting you've raised that topic because somewhere in my library, which I am trying at this very late stage of my life to get in order, is a book by a British doctor, and uh, I think his name was Stanton. It was written many years ago, and he wrote a book entitled The Carbohydrate Addiction. And he wrote at a time when it wasn't popular uh, to use that language, but he was there saying exactly what you are saying and what perhaps is being said more frequently today, that one of the abnormalities in our diet today is the way in which carbohydrates have become a dominant member of the food chain. They were always a member of the food chain when we were growing up. But again, convenience foods in particular, and we won't go on to mention any of them, are usually foods which are very highly represented by concentrated and refined carbohydrate foods. So what you say is right. It was not a problem when I was growing up because it was a different culture, a different lifestyle, a lot more physical, and as a working-class man, working-class men tended, if you like, to need that bit of extra carbohydrate because they burnt it off in the mines, in the open hearth, that situation. Times have changed. The carbohydrate addiction is rampant. We predominantly, I would argue, these days uh, live on carbohydrates, which, as you've rightly pointed out, at the end of the day, convert to sugar. And this is why... Um, I've always emphasised, anyone that's listened to this program would have heard me emphasise that a healthy diet is a diet which is more representative of good quality protein, a lot of fruits and vegetables, and a conservative amount, a conservative amount of carbohydrates. That sort of diet is a diet that I believe uh, is more likely to be balanced. What we need to know is that when we start to reduce seriously carbohydrates in the diet, it has an effect on our blood sugar level, and that is reflected, as you've pointed out, by a reduction in your weight. Well done. I congratulate you. Thank you, Robert. Uh, this is Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Josephine from Curry Curry, and it's all about dry eyes, is it, Josephine? Yes, it is. Hello, Josephine. <clears throat> Yes, uh, thank you, Dennis, for your time. Um, I have a problem with my eyes. I was diagnosed with having dry eye, and I feel that's a little bit strange because they're constantly wet. And does that sound correct? Yes, yes, it does. Uh, And um, it's just so annoying, especially so in this cold weather, that I'm constantly being asked, are you okay? Are you crying? (laughs) I said, no, my eyes are just weeping constantly. And it is uh, quite uncomfortable. And uh, being a woman, my makeup doesn't stay on anymore, which is terrible. Uh, But I was wondering, can can you uh, recommend something? I have tried the, the... the normal eye drops. Okay. I think they're called um, Sustain. No. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I would like to try something that you okay. you could recommend. Well, look, it's it's a difficult uh, condition to treat, and, and I'm wondering whether or not you are on any oral medication for the condition. Uh, no, I'm not on any oral. Okay. Uh, not for that condition okay. anyway. Okay. And you, are you on multiple medications uh, for other conditions? No, I'm only on Caltrate and 
<laughs> and uh, some more from me because I've had a blood clot. But I had that well before um, the, okay. the blood clot period. Okay. Look, just a couple of things that may help and things that aren't expensive and are not going to clash uh, with your with your warfarin. That's the thing that you would have to be on guard against because even so-called natural things uh, can cause um, interaction with, uh, with uh, blood-thinning medications such as warfarin. So just a general thing there, whatever you take orally, whether it be for this condition uh, or anything else, always, of course, check with your pharmacist or your doctor because of the possibility of interaction. One of, the, okay. one of the things that I would suggest, and it might sound very, very, very simple, and it is very, very inexpensive. There is a system of medicine that uh, we older naturopaths were trained in. It's not as popular today, um, but occasionally I will still draw on it. The literature is very soundly based. There are a group of remedies known as Schussler's Tissue Salts. Schussler's Tissue Salts. Okay. Now, um, they would be uh, readily available from from health food stores up around where you are. And one of them is called Kaley Myrrh, K-A-L-I-M-U-R, Kaley Myrrh, with 6X beside it. Now, you might say, for goodness sake, what does that mean? Well, <clears throat> it basically is an abbreviation for what is known as potassium chloride. Okay. But potassium chloride in what's called a homeopathic a preparation, the 6X, indicates the degree, the degree of potentization or dilution of the original crude substance. Now, your health food store may even know this, your proprietor there or the naturopath would know that Kalimur is a famous remedy used for clear discharge from various orifices of the body, nasal, a clear nasal discharge a clear nasal discharge from the eye. It's a worthwhile thing to try. You've got nothing, okay. you've got nothing to lose. It's one of the cheapest of all remedies, and I'm, mm-hmm. still, I'm still occasionally astonished by the prescribing of that simple type of remedy mm-hmm. that gives me a result that few other more sophisticated natural remedies haven't given me. Uh, Trichalimur 6X, it comes in a small pilule or tableted form, uh, don't be laughed out of court by the cynics. Sometimes it can do the job that would surprise them. All the very best with that, Josephine. And our last call for today, Dennis, Tony's rung in from Millfield. And, Tony, you'd like to bring up the different types of sugar and if there's a difference. That's right. Hello, uh, Tony. Uh, yeah, somebody told me, a friend of mine, that raw sugar is better for you than natural sugar. Is that correct? In my opinion... No. Sugar, I come back to it, sugar is sugar. There may be a few other constituents in so-called raw sugar, but at the end of the day, they would be very, very minimal and, in my opinion, not, con- not contribute significantly uh, to, um, to differentiating raw sugar from, say, white sugar. Now, that's my opinion. I come back to the point that sugar is sugar and the end result is the same. Because my doctor said to me too when I said I have two cups of tea a day, yes. he says that's too much. You should cut back to one. One cup of tea a day. Yeah, that's a worry. That's a worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that, I thought medicine um, was more sophisticated than that. <laughs> because he, he says that even make your sugar as less as possible, 
Like in my wheat beaks, I only have maybe half a teaspoon in my wheat beaks. Boy, when I was growing up, I used to have double that amount. It didn't do to me too much harm. Look, one of the things that worry me these days, Tony, is that all these simplistic off-the-cuff solutions that are being doled out by all forms of medical professionals, it worries me. I think a cup of tea with a touch of sugar, when that becomes a main problem in our society, we've got big problems. Yeah, because from the doctor, from the Hunter um, New England uh, surveys, that I did a test for him to uh, take control of the diabetes. Yes. And I had to put down everything I had in the day, yes. in the evening. Yes. I did that for four days. Anyway, yes. when the result came to uh, sit down with all these people, and I'm thinking, wow, this is scary, like I'm in court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does sound as though you're under trial. <laughs> now, look, I, 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 in, in my opinion, a cup of tea a day, even with a touch of the dreaded white sugar, in my opinion, is unlikely to, to do too much damage to you, but that's an opinion. Well, thanks, Tony. And I suppose just a final little note, Dennis, what about honey in the tea instead? That's, uh, you, well, you'd have to say that would be something worthwhile considering, coming from a beekeeper. We'll take that topic up perhaps next week. <laughs> Why not? Honey for next week. To NURFM's Health Naturally, thank you, Dennis Stewart, and we look forward to your company again next week on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.